I V M. Innovation often happens when someone spots a gap in a market where most don't even realize there is one. Most of these might seem obvious in hindsight, but at that moment, it's a spark of innovation. And when this gap is found in what seems to be a saturated segment of market, it becomes an even more interesting case study for us to dig into. One such company that has pushed us to rethink how we make and drink coffee is Sleepy Owl Coffee. And today I have their co-founder Arman Sood on the podcast to not just understand their journey and how he looks at the coffee landscape, but also how the problem they're actually trying to solve has nothing to do with coffee itself. I'm Arun Dukirala and this advertising is dead. Be right back with Arman. Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. Uh, we talked to Arman. Hey Arman, welcome to the show. We've had an interesting start to this recording. Just like note for anybody who's listening in, there are about four of us stuck inside an IBM studio and exactly when we hit record, Arman's internet, uh, which was totally fine till then, decided to kind of give in. So it's been an interesting start to this recording, but we've started this one off and uh, I'm super excited to, to chat. Likewise, Arun, thank you for having me on today's podcast. Uh, you know, I want to kind of start off by kind of going to where this, uh, especially Sleepy Owl started for you, right? Uh, where did the interest in coffee as a space kind of kick off? I think the interest was more in entrepreneurship and business than in coffee specifically. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a law graduate. I graduated law school in 2015. And there was this desire to start up, this desire to be an entrepreneur and run a business uh, that, that sparked, uh, you know, a lot of ideas in my co-founders and, and my head. But we weren't sure what exactly to do, right? We narrowed down on FNB and FMCG as a space where we thought we could add value. And while looking for the next big thing in the space, we ended up narrowing down on coffee because it was a personal problem statement that we we discovered we had, right? And I think most most good ideas come from uh, you know personal problems that you face that you want to solve. So that's kind of how coffee happened. Um, I wasn't a coffee connoisseur or uh, a coffee aficionado. Uh, it was just something that. We identified and we said, you know, uh, we could be the right people to solve this. And we jumped, uh, you know, head first into it. And there's been no looking back. It's interesting you say personal uh, you know, problem solving, right? Because I remember the first time I really started to... So I bought the cold brews initially. And I remember this first because I wanted to kind of experiment with cold brew and see what that was. But where I really started to kind of make sure I always had, you know... The hot brews have been a part of being in my travel bag or in my work bag for the longest time because you would go for a meeting and the place would have terrible coffee. Uh, you would travel to a hotel and hotel would have terrible instant coffee. And I would always carry the hot brew with me just like that. I've, I've actually been that person to go to someone else's office and pull out a, a, a sleepy or a, a hot brew bag and say, just give me hot water. Uh, I got a few weird looks initially, but I, but I totally get it was a problem statement, which I think a lot of us didn't really realize was that big a problem till we actually had an option. So was that how you was it similar when you said problem statement for you? Yeah, I, I guess to some extent it was. And, you know, in fact, for that product, for the hot brew, especially that was the use case that we realized, uh, you know, specifically for that product, for, for, the, for the cold brew and for when our journey began, the problem statement was broader. It was more that, you know, I mean, uh, people in our age group, in the 18 uh, to 30 age group, might not be very curious to want to grind their own beans and uh, use a French press or a mocha pot or an AeroPress, right? We, we grew up having instant coffee, cold coffee as a default option. And the moment mm-hmm. we hit the workforce, my co-founders and I, our offices had uh, vending machines, right? 
and the, your, your Starbucks or your CCD proved to be too expensive for a daily sort of coffee, right? Yeah. Um, so, so we said, okay, there is a gap in this space in the in-home coffee market where uh, the only brands that we see around us are Nestle, Starbucks, and you know, to some extent, Brew in the San Unilever. And that there is there is a big white space there. So that's how we entered and, and decided to solve for coffee in general. Hot Brew, we actually launched uh, three years into our business, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and for that, the use case is exactly what you portrayed. I mean, you you now when you describe it, right? You are my ideal consumer doing exactly <laughs> what I want you to do with that product, right? Which is take it on yeah. your travels, take it to work, have it in your bag. In fact, when we do that as well, when I go to meetings, I do the exact same thing. And, they, you know, it's a this sort of Indian tradition where they say, chai coffee loge. And, you know, I'm like, nahi, aap bas garam pani. Garam pani. my own coffee. Um, but uh, I think the big advantage of this is you are actually marketing our product to newer and newer, newer audiences every time you do that exercise, right? Uh, yeah. So it's a win-win for us. So why was cold brew uh, something that you guys focused on initially? Where did that kind of kick okay. off? So, uh, you know, two reasons for that. One is, uh, you know, we identified that our age group has some amount of nostalgia associated with cold coffee, right? So we felt that, uh, you know, it is usually the, the consumer that is slightly older that uh, uh, wants to have like a hot beverage or a hot cup of coffee or a hot chai in the morning, right? The younger generation was more, uh, more uh, used to having cold drinks and cold beverages filled with a lot of ice, right? And that's mm-hmm. how even frappe culture or, or our sort of mixy mein cold coffee banane ka culture, we were, we were that generation. Um, yeah. You know, when I look back, uh, Varun, I did not have Horlicks, Compland, Bonvita growing up. For me, my, my parents managed to get milk into my system uh, by, by adding, you know, coffee and making mm. a cold coffee out of it. So, <laughs> it's a full glass of milk with a little bit of coffee, but it did the yeah. job for them. And uh, I think a lot of us, you know, cold coffee was like a delight. My co-founders, Ajay and Ashwajit, went to Sinar. And even mm. at their boarding school on Sundays, it would be a, a thing that aaj cold coffee milne wali hai because you don't get it the whole week, right? It's a treat. Uh, so, so we said, okay, you know, uh, that's what our sort of audience would relate to. And cold brew had just started becoming popular globally, right? So I, as people, as outsiders to, you know, the industry altogether, we said, okay, you know, cold brew is something that's trending in the US, uh, in UK. And uh, it's something that will get popular in India at some point in the future. So we kind of became first movers who jumped on to bringing that uh, trend to India, right? And, and that's kind of how we, uh, you know, made that the center uh, of attention, made that the focus and launched a, a slew of uh, products that revolved around cold brew. In fact, for the longest time, we were identified as strictly a cold brew brand. You know, yeah. what we realized three years on in that journey is that um, it's an uphill battle to continuously uh, educate the Indian consumer on what cold brew is because cold brew is not a cold coffee. It's a method of Correct. brewing coffee in cold water, right? And, yeah. um, you know, we realized that that the... The, the market for cold brew is very niche. It's growing nonetheless, but it's niche, right? And we needed to, uh, you know, cater to what consumers wanted. So hot brew is actually a consequence of customers saying, you guys have made cold brew convenient, right? And easy. But when are you doing something hot? And uh, for us, our business is very seasonal with cold brew. And uh, to tackle those problems, we, we innovated and, uh, you know, put coffee in a tea bag. Uh, which, yeah. uh, you know, which we, we asked ourselves before doing it, like either we are really stupid or we're really smart because no one's really done this before or thought about it. Uh, and it seems like a no brainer, but, um, you know, we went ahead and we, we, we just did it. And I think that, you know, hot brew today is, 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 is the biggest category for us as a company. So, you know, uh, it, it, you have to keep, uh, you know, giving customers what they want, keep pivoting, keep, keep looking at, uh, you know, newer and interesting things to do as a business. 
you know when when you talk about cold brew as well as the i think the tea bag idea was genius in in hindsight right because it just it makes so much simpler to carry around because the problem always is how do you carry coffee with you um i've had friends who've carried their mocha pots french presses pack you know packets of ground coffee with them it's it's a it's a pain to do all of that so uh, even i remember when i first started consuming a brand i would go to your you know go to your instagram go across the board and a lot of your content was almost educative like you're telling people how to you know mm-hmm. and, I, and i feel that's always interesting when when you kind of found a gap but you also need to educate now how do you guys approach that part like how do you educate while still being you know being marketable in that sense right? because you know you don't also want to become instruction manuals but in many ways you've said okay this is something which be very interesting we know you guys will enjoy but this is also like a way for us to engage while teaching you stuff so how did you guys approach that part so uh, you know uh, uh, varun uh, to be honest uh, we we realized early on that if you don't educate people will not buy your product because they won't understand what to do with it or how useful it is right so uh, i think we were at that stage uh, when instagram and facebook and content marketing overall was blowing up right uh, so we realized that being a food and beverage company uh, you know uh, if you have a content that is visually appealing and and aesthetically eye pleasing right uh, you will be able to get someone to look at that and desire to want to taste that right so so that was sort of our focus that how do you how do you make someone look at your content and drool how do you make them want yeah. to be like you know okay wow this looks pretty or it looks beautiful i want to consume it right so the the content you know was part instructional and and part pleasing right so that you kind of get the best of both worlds of course you know like most d2c brands uh, along with every order we had like an instruction manual a note a little uh, card that was put into the orders there were recipes that are shared on the product itself and mm. videos mm. on our website um, that uh, we said okay once you receive the product this is what you can do with it right uh, this is how you use it and i think that really helped us uh, you know at least on the digital front to get our message across to the customers but one of the things that we did pre covid and did a lot was office tastings uh, food and beverage events sampling sessions with with uh, you know a uh, small cohorts and small groups of people where we actually you know were able to go out and uh, convince and talk to customers and educate them and i think that uh, you know was was driven right from the top like we as founders made sure that we were there doing this ourselves and educating people ourselves even when we started expanding into offline stores modern trade and general trade for for many a months our weekends were spent ourselves at a store standing for 8 mm-hmm. hours you know talking to customers and you know it was a very humbling experience because uh, you know uh, it's it's not always that you have a, a founder that is uh, standing and promoting the product in a store right yeah. so we experience yeah. both the you know hey don't disturb me versus wow let's chat right um uh, in a store but when we did hire promoters and samplers to get our message across uh, we really understood you know how do we train our promoters and samplers basis our own real life experience mm. and i think today when you walk into a store and see a sleepy all promoter we paid a lot of attention to training right on how how they can communicate the way we would communicate and i'm you know proud to say that today you know if i were to go into a store and stand with one of my you know promoters who is you know pretty much a 12 pass uh, hustler right man he will outsell me you know uh, and and that's amazing to 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 feel and to know that that those guys can absolutely outsell me in our own product um, and yeah. and you know it's it's always uh, you know nice to see that so that's how we've created the sort of awareness education uh, impact both offline and online i think the offline online mix is also an interesting thing right because obviously uh, a lot of the d2c brands when they kind of kick off they also kind of 
there's a period when after which they realize they need to get into modern trade and kind of push that out there um this is like a two step question here saying like, you know when when you started off what were things that you thought the consumer really was going to be like mm-hmm. uh, and what did you quickly realize and did that kind of change once you moved to modern trade and going offline as well apart from online so it's a it's almost like a part one part two to this question okay so i think uh, you know i think we were we were very clear on on who our consumer was right um and uh, we knew that you know our consumer is essentially someone who is uh, you know well traveled uh, you know preferably uh, working at, you know at a creative uh, uh, you know sort of working in a creative environment uh, definitely uses airbnb uber netflix so on and so forth and is is savvy right um, mm-hmm. and we identified that cohort and we wanted to market to that cohort right uh, because cold brew being uh, you know something that requires that little bit of effort from a consumer to do right uh, to make that coffee themselves uh, they they need to be well aware well traveled have that understanding to do it um, what we realized very early on uh, you know uh, is that is that coffee is one of those things that while people will consume online and buy online it it's still it's still something that could fit as a part of your daily grocery uh, you know or weekly or monthly grocery list right um and and you lose out on that audience that is not purchasing online but purchasing offline so going into at least the top uh, uh, modern trade and a plus stores jisko kehte hain it was it was absolutely essential and we did that very early on uh, you know how the consumer has evolved i think uh, you know we we were we were when we started very hopeful and bullish that the consumer would uh, take to cold brew very easily and it would become the sort of mainstay thing but uh, but but to be honest varun i think uh, uh, we can have that as as one part of our portfolio and do that but but yeah. getting the hot brew getting the ready to drink cold coffee and in the near future even a premium instant coffee is something we cannot put off the table because uh, you know, that's what india consumes and that's what india wants right even in our surveys with with our loyal customers uh, they always tell us that listen we love sleepy owl it's always in our shelf but we also have an instant coffee in the shelf and we also have a, 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 a you know coffee beans on the shelf because each kind of product has its own use case right uh, mm. whereas you may be taking a hot brew bags with you to to work or to uh, your travels but maybe the first thing you do in the morning is you want that therapeutic experience of brewing a cup yourself right uh, yeah, from yeah. so so each each product has its use case and uh, you know we we've kind of uh, you know uh been been in the business of five years now and realized that you know it's good to have uh something interesting in each category uh so that consumers ultimately you know uh, come back to you because of your service your branding your uh, ability to you know delight the customer overall and you bring up an interesting point right because when i look at anybody else in 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 this space particularly mm-hmm. uh, on one end you obviously have um you know chains who have like say you you like you mentioned starbucks cd that entire bunch um on the other end you've had let's say you you have a lot of these roasteries that have kind of come up and, and you know sure. they they trying to put it out there you guys are at a unique position where you you saw a market gap and kind of plugged into it uh, mm-hmm. with all these sites kind of scaling up and you as well how do you see this ecosystem kind of evolve are you seeing that um, because from a consumer standpoint i'm seeing a lot more flavored coffees being marketed out there i'm mm-hmm. i'm seeing um yeah obviously there is uh, people do want to kind of go the experience of coffee is, is so different in so, in so many different ways that uh, it's a the world to itself you actually dig into it but how are you seeing the larger ecosystem kind of evolve i think uh, you know uh, it, it's very exciting so i think there is a you know no no doubt there are so many roasteries that are popping up and and there are so many uh, you know 
people that are actually trying to disrupt uh, Starbucks and CCB and grow in the cafe space altogether, right? So yeah. there are, you know, there are very different use cases uh, for, for coffee consumption in general, right? I think there, you know, firstly, I think, the, you know, we're still very, very early and very, very nascent in India's sort of journey with coffee, right? I think it's going to take 10, 15, maybe 20 years till we come close to the level where, where tea is today, right? And, and that's going to continue to grow as well. Um, yeah. I, I think there's a very, very large pipe. Uh, and there's a you know a, I think a, a space for a lot of players to 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 who exist today and for more to come in as well and bring unique offerings on the table, right? Um, I think the the coffee consumer, um, my my dad keeps saying you know he's like yeah coffee cigarettes these things uh, once you're hooked to a particular taste uh, you're yeah. not going to change, right? But but that I, I disagree. I think you know uh, today's consumer, unlike let's say my father's generation, is very excited to to explore a lot of different options, right? Um, I couldn't so agree more. Yeah. Whether it's whether it's coffee from multiple different estates, uh, whether it's flavored coffee of like you know all kinds of flavors, um, I think the consumer is willing to have sort of one mainstay that they do mm. regularly, right? And then the other which they keep experimenting with, right? So having said that, it's not it's not that a sleepy owl consumer never visits a blue Tokai or a third wave coffee roasters. We we don't say that. Yeah. The use case to go there could be for a meeting, could be because you want to grab a bite along with your coffee, could be because it's located very close to your house, so on and so forth, right? So, so I feel like it's, it's, I don't think one brand will ever dominate the entire uh, shelf of the consumer, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, so yeah, I think that's where, the, that's where the consumer is evolving and it's good for them to have these options. Another aspect of, of what you guys do, which I find which I found fascinating, is your merch. Right, your merch is, is, is a it's a strong. I mean, it, it's a strong part of your your entire brand. Um, I also want to get into why um, you're called Steepy Owl in the first place. I think that's that. I I'm almost like how many times have we been asked this question? Uh, would be my point to you. But um, um, how is the merch part kind of? Uh, was it almost a natural progression, or or was that something you guys kind of focused on? Considering and for people who are listening to know, um, you you're first startup in college was was kind of, was much around um alcohol and, and that entire industry uh, so right. this is almost like you taking that and stuff let's extend that out into the newer piece that you're doing sweet so uh so I, I'll, I'll actually answer this the this why sleepy owl second and i'll answer mm-hmm. the much bit first so a little yeah. bit of history so so ashwajit and i were in law school 2010 to 2015 in 2012 uh, we i we kind of realized that you know while we are going to finish our, our sort of law course uh, we we have additional time on hand in law school uh, so we said we want to use that time to start something right and this is mm. this is you know even when flipkart was early and there was that that e-commerce and d2c had not you know sort of blown up yet right but but yeah. we said why don't we just do something right and karenge to sikhenge so so you know being young uh, sort of uh, you know people who love to party loved our beer so on and so forth we said India might be a, you know, again, there was no, you know, market research into this. It was just a personal problem that, you know, yeah. we, the, where are the beer pong tables and the beer bongs and why aren't people partying like that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, with all of these uh, fun accessories. So we actually went ahead and, um, you know, imported uh, a range of party accessories, set up an e-commerce website, and we started selling all of these products online. Of course, uh, you know, the e-commerce infrastructure isn't what it is today in 2012, right? Uh, we really struggled, we really suffered, but we managed to liquidate most of the inventory initially B2C and then we sold it to sort of other physical retail party stores and three years we wound that business up. But I think that was our first twist with entrepreneurship, uh, with actually trying to build a brand, operations, supply chain, logistics, e-commerce, the whole piece, right? 
we had so much fun doing that uh, that we realized that you know uh, we we will not be lawyers and we are going to be entrepreneurs right mm. uh, and we started with sleepy owl and uh, uh, you know got into got into coffee and i think it was during this journey where where ashujit actually you know discovered what we call an enamel mug right an enamel mug is your army mug that that's made out of metal and essentially yeah. you know popular among army folks and uh, you know even travel goers to some extent because it's it doesn't break right you can drop it and it doesn't break so we introduced the enamel mug we found a vendor in india itself and introduced enamel mug on our website and uh, it was phenomenal varun people were just so excited to get a a, a cool enamel mug right that yeah. that you know it was like it doesn't matter you know and because we built a little bit of a brand by then so it was okay that it was sleepy owl branded nada logo and stuff like that but uh, the the indian supplier couldn't keep up with our demand for the enamel mug right so we actually went out of stock of the enamel mug and we started exploring china as an option to get that uh, mm-hmm. in the meanwhile uh, we you know again ashwajit said listen why don't we do ceramic mugs you know like mugs are selling uh, you know so why don't we just do ceramic mugs instead for the time being and we launched ceramic mugs that too uh, got a phenomenal response right and that's how gradually we said okay you know for for whatever reason like uh, our merch does well and people are happy to support it and it does a dual job for us it does drive additional revenue it allows us to make combos of coffee with our mugs right yeah. um and then when people use this mug or take this mug it's sort of you know branding like they're paying pay, they're paying to advertise for you so absolutely absolutely right and uh, with that insight uh, you know we went ahead and launched our uh, you know very cool travel mug uh, very cool tumbler uh stuff that's unique and that's not you know traditionally available easily everywhere uh we got a few complaints that you know uh, we love your brand and we love your logo but it's on everything so now we are kind of like you know uh we're kind of doing other quirky stuff instead of pasting our logo on most of these fun products but uh, but over the course of the last uh, you know year and a half or so we realized that merch is a significant contributor and it will continue to be and it's a win win for us to have this and uh, we're doubling down on merch in a big way right so yeah that's kind of our story with with merchandise and and how did the name sleepy all come to be how was that i mean i i get the the reasoning but i'd i'd love to hear the the origin sure so uh you know uh, your prior to starting sleepy owl uh, we we realized very early on that the the name of the brand is going to be very very crucial in uh you know differentiating us from what else is out there uh we you know looked at the coffee space and you had players like blue bottle uh, which is in the us uh, you know starbucks so on and so forth and there was this sort of feeling where you you there's a there's a name but there's also a logo with the name right you have to have mm-hmm. you can create two memories for a person right um yeah. and we said that okay to create those two memories you need a catchy name and you need a catchy logo right so as silly as it sounds we just narrowed down saying that we 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 want an animal in our name mm-hmm. right Yeah, um, and then yeah. we try to go down like you know animal by animal so on and so forth and uh, <laughs> um you know we also had another weird rule that it has to be two words it won't be one word mm. right the name will have two words i'd love to know what are the animals were considered in this one <laughs> uh, we consider tigers bears uh, you know so on and so forth but uh, but the the owl uh, immediately you know the moment the moment ashwajit said owl uh uh and then he said sleepy owl and i actually have a screenshot of our conversation because he was on a he was on a local train in andheri when i got that message and mm. you know, uh we have that uh, snippet of conversation i have it screenshotted even now and um, the moment he said that it was long i mean it was there was no conversation further because we could have spent you know months uh, deliberating this 
but once we once he said it the first time it came out of his mouth we were like you know done this is it um yeah. main reason was that we realized that the owl as a mascot would be something that could be used independent of the name and we want to even now want to get to a point where someone can look at the owl and say that is sleepy owl's owl right mm-hmm. uh, of course you have you used to have a, a food and beverage player called tiny owl and then you have wise uh, mm-hmm. owl which is a restaurant in calcutta you have uh, 247 which is a chain which also has an owl as a as its uh, you know then then you have a white owl brewery which is the beer so it's it's there's a lot with the owl but uh, somehow i think uh, you know our name has really resonated with our audience so and there's another side to this was where ashujit you know and our our premise of starting was that you know in coffee marketing should hopefully be easier uh, and advertising should be easier because if there's a group of five friends and one of them becomes hooked to sleepy owl right he will at some point mention to his other four in his circle that this is what i'm consuming this is what i'm drinking you might not do the same for a face wash that you use or a hand wash that you use but with coffee it is one of those things that people like sharing with their community and therefore the name had to be very easy to remember we we never wanted someone to say acha yaad nahi aara that is matlab ye pee raha hu i don't remember the name we never wanted that so this, you know it was very clear that the name has to be simple to be translated from one person to the next and touch wood it's it's you know uh, worked out quite well for us and now a bunch more questions but i know we need to go on for a break so it's going to quickly do that me right back there as he said Welcome back to Advertising is Dead. We're still talking to Arman. One of the you earlier spoke about how you focus on the content you're creating around the brand initially, right? Um, even recently, you had this one campaign that kind of went around where you just had. I, I, I'm gathering someone from your office is is what I was. I'm assuming or someone you kind of got who's just yes. pointing it at, at, at different texts and and that kind of went around as well. Um, how have you guys looked at marketing on a broader space for the brand? Um, and how has that kind of evolved over time? So, uh. you know varun uh, when we started right we were absolutely bootstrapped uh, started out of our sort of little apartment in in dwarka in delhi and uh, the division of labor that among the three co-founders because none of us are it's all a sort of you know industry veterans or industry professionals uh, uh, to say the least right um ashujit my co-founder you know uh, has a creative bent of mind so he said listen i'm going to learn how to use instagram use uh, you know set up our website uh, look at uh, you know the sort of communication email so on and so forth and for him it was you know the the learning came through okay you know where do i draw inspiration from right and he see he clearly knew and he said okay this is cool this is not cool this is cringe this is not cringe you know this mm-hmm. is classy this is you know and and he has his sort of brands that he is inspired by and wants to emulate and learn from and uh, you know give that sort of an experience to to our customers as well right um so he owns that piece 100% you know packaging design branding e-commerce uh, you know communication and and what the brand should look and feel like to people i look at uh, you know supply chain operations back end so on and so forth and our third co-founder ajay looks at investor relations finance and team building that sort of you know answered this yeah. sort of later yeah. but that's the division between the three of us so ashudeep yeah. is the strong hold to keep the brand integrity with uh, communication and branding the way you know it should be right so from day one uh, you know he was very clear that the only only way this will sell is if it is visually appealing and if it is drool worthy in its content if you make content that inspires and is you know drool worthy so we you know uh, uh, you know i mean uh, i know you you run a fantastic agency but we've never worked with an agency for our social media creative content you know that's something yeah, that actually yeah. kept close to his heart 
you know, even when it's been challenging and trying and we haven't been able to build earlier, early days, we didn't have the kind of illustrators, uh, uh, videographers, graphic designers on our team. But, but, you know, and at that time he would post once a week, right? And I would yeah. be like, no, Ashuji, the whole world posts every day, you know, and they put stories every day. Uh, why, why don't we do it? You know, I in fact even went to him with a calendar saying that Diwali, Holi, <laughs> Children's Day, Mother's Day. <laughs> you know, you need to post on these days. And he said, Arman, for me, it's always going to be quality over quantity. And, you know, even if I do, you know, one piece of content uh, in a week, it, it has to be the best there is, right? And I think that is the sort of principle that we've managed to uh, continue to harp on. Of course, now we churn out a lot more content, but it's been with that principle that it always has to meet a certain standard of quality, keeping the brand guidelines, integrity in mind. And that's what, you know, customers will appreciate and resonate with. And uh, despite our fights and our, uh, you know, sort of uh, difference in opinion i think he's he's won that battle because uh, yeah. you know he's maintained a certain uh, you know tone of of voice and language and i think you know a lot of times people do that much later in their journey when they can afford to let's say uh, work with you know really good agencies and get that sort of in place but uh, from very early on we said okay there has to be you know the sleepy owl is is not me not ashujit not ajay not anybody else sleepy owl has its own identity Right. Um, yeah. And that needs to come through everywhere. So whether it's our support emails, whether it's a reply to a comment on Instagram, uh, you know, it all has to speak that same voice. Um, and, uh, you know, that's the principle in which you've done it. Of course, because everything's in-house, there's a certain amount of spontaneity to it as well. Right. Uh, and, and the video that you're talking about that, you know, um, and I'll happily use the word viral here. Uh, you know, I think yeah. everyone's yeah. trying to uh, uh, work towards, and we've also done it. We've tried intentionally create, you know, fo- try to force create a, Something that we hope will go viral, right? But yeah, this yeah. wasn't that. This wasn't that at all. This is one of those things where, again, you know, uh, he was inspired by a certain piece of content that he saw online, uh, and we, you know, and uh, he said, "Wow, this is really cool." Like, you know, the way those guys did it for their brand was really cool. But he said, "We can apply that concept, the concept of a new yeah, yeah. uh, ad. Uh, it wasn't, it isn't an original concept, and we don't claim it to be. But I think, you know, everything that you know, you inspired by, right?" We took it and we, you know, uh, he saw it in the morning. He came to office, dropped the calendar for the day and got our colleague uh, to sit. And, you know, uh, within an hour or so, it was done and it was just pushed out. And, uh, you know, he went and, and put those it are, Those are sometimes the best kinds of content that kind of come out. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, it, it's, it's got us a lot of eyeballs. And I think it, it is a unique piece of, uh, you know, uh, content for the Indian context, at least. And even globally, I think there was just one other person who'd done a sort of mute ad. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's something that, you know, uh, we, we've got a lot of positive sort of uh, feedback for it. Of course, a lot of hate as well. Uh, you know, some people didn't like it. <laughs> Uh, so on and so forth. There's always that, that mix. That, that, that makes me happy because I think all the best things in the world are polarizing, right? Uh, yeah. You know, uh, if, if you're liked by all, then you're definitely uh, not doing something right. Uh, you know, across this entire journey so far, um, what do you feel like you kind of learned? Like, obviously, I feel that like every single entrepreneurial journey teaches uh, the founders a bunch of things and it continues to teach you on a day-to-day basis. Um, and... Uh, and what do you, what have you kind of learned through this process? Um, and 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 you and as you kind of go ahead, what do you what are you kind of hoping you'll also kind of add to that, uh, Kitty? Okay, so uh, you know, I think uh, I think one of the key things that you know we've done in the last five years is is uh, as founders we've taken you know uh, tons of responsibility onto our shoulders, and you know we've tried to at least you know in the early days and even now do a lot of things ourselves, right? So we are one of we're the kind of people who want to figure it out and want to learn, you know, how to do it and execute it. While that has been 
immensely helpful for us to get to where we are today. I think uh, one of the biggest learnings has been that, you know, you don't always have to try and learn everything on your own. There are, there are times and, and places and moments where you need to, you know, either uh, hire or go out to professionals, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think um, in many parts of our journey, we didn't do that, right? So I think the biggest learning has been that, you know, sometimes letting go can, can, actually, agree more. can actually be like, you know, the best thing you can do for your business as well. Um, and I think, you know, in the past, we haven't let go as much. Um, but one of the things that we intend to do as we move forward now is let go and give the reins to people, uh, uh, you know, who can come and join us on our journey and, and help us execute our vision for what uh, and where Sleepy Owl is going to go. Uh, so I think that's been, uh, you know, one of the biggest learnings for us. Um, the other thing is that, you know, I think uh, while, you know, we, we even held cold brew close to our heart and we said, okay, we want to be the sort of, you know, uh, the people pioneering this new concept. I think, uh, mm. you know, you shouldn't hold on to, to ideas like that too closely as well and be willing to mold, you know, sort of, uh, you know, who you are, right? So in fact, when we started our name or our company was called Sleepy Owl Cold Brew Coffee LLP, you know, biggest oh. mistake was to actually register an LLP in the first place. But as, and as lawyers, I can't believe... That's a whole different conversation, I agree. We messed that up. Because um, with our first round of investment, we had to convert our LLP to a private limited. And that was a whole different, uh, you know, hassle. But but we went from Sleepy Owl Cold Brew Coffee LLP to Sleepy Owl Coffee Private Limited. But, but now we prefer Sleepy Owl, you know, not even Sleepy Owl Coffee. Because I think as the brand is growing and building itself, we have to, you know, sort of let go of uh, the idea that we're restricted to something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we have, uh, you know, I mean, now our, our mission and our, our uh, you know, sort of goal is not even aligned towards specifically making India, you know, a coffee drinking nation. It's about bringing the best of, uh, you know, products around food and beverage to customers in a convenient, uh, delightful and, and uh, you know, uh, bringing it them in a manner they haven't seen before, right? Whether And that doesn't necessarily only revolve around the product itself, but even the packaging experience, even the way you view, uh, you know, mm. an existing product, you know, we we're trying to change all of that, right? So another week, you'll see something very interesting from the Sleepy Owl uh, family, uh, you know, and um, I think, again, you know, uh, our product, uh, you know, you'll say, oh, wow, this exists. And, you know, so many people are doing it. But I think when you when yeah. you experience it, you'll be like, okay, no, no one's done it like this, you know. So, so yeah. that's kind of our, our way of looking at things. I think that last part is so interesting, right? Because oftentimes what you start off as, and you're right, in many ways, what you kind of built out is the delivery system can be far simpler, far more interesting than what you always had on in the FMB space. Um, in many ways, that's been the core of your brand and not necessarily um, every, how everybody else has gone coffee first, you've gone delivery first. In that sense. So that's actually a very interesting way to put it. Um, and, uh, and I look forward to see what else you're kind of building into it. But before we start winding up on the show, um, we have a, there's a last part of the show, which is generally random. It's supposed to be random because, and they always have the same set of questions. Uh, my producers are tired of me say introing this segment exactly like this. I can hear a couple of them laughing or rather see a couple of them laughing in front of me. Um, so what do you spend a lot of time doing outside of uh, Sleepy All? What, 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 what keeps you excited beyond that or, or what takes up your time? I think I, uh, you know, I'm uh, during my university days and school days, I've always been a sports person. And if it were, you know, up to me in school, I think I'd be neither a lawyer nor an entrepreneur, I'd be a sports person because I think I really, mm-hmm. really enjoy uh, both playing and watching and following sport. Uh, so I do end up uh, golfing once a week, uh, playing football twice a week, uh, you know, mostly post-work at night is when football happens. And, uh, you know, a couple of times a week, my co-founders and I go for CrossFit uh, near near our workplace. Nice. So 
I think that takes up a lot of time because I, you know, most of us, all of us believe that uh, you need to take out time for yourself to, you know, uh, do things that you love if you want to come back and feel more productive at work. Um, you know, I, at home, I have, uh, I have nine cats and three puppies uh, that take oh, up wow. a significant amount of my home time. You know, I think it was... You're, uh, the, you're only the second person I know apart from me who has ever had... I think pets in the double digits in their house. Uh, I grew up with 13 dogs. My grandmother had a problem. So I grew up with 13 dogs. So it's the first time hearing somebody else who has as many uh, at home. Sweet. Yeah, once we, once we hit the 6-7 number, like, you know, I was insistent that we get to double digit. I was like, you know, we're already doing so much. Uh, we'll get there. And, you know, it's been it's been fun because, uh, you know, Varun, I think uh, all of them are rescues. And I realized that, you know, there is a, there is a sort of, you know, innate, passion and happiness that I get when I, when we, you know, we see that we've been able to make a difference to, to the lives of animals. And this is, it's all started during, during COVID, uh, you know, mm-hmm. when we, we got one and then one more and then one more. And I think that, that, you know, uh, keeps me thoroughly busy in my personal time at home. Uh, mm-hmm. Prior to my pets, I would spend a lot of time, uh, you know, reading or listening to podcasts and, and doing that. I think that's uh, significantly gone down in the last six months with the uh, additions. But I think in the coming year, I want to, uh, you know, uh, carve out more time to to do that again because yeah. uh, I do miss it. But uh, you know, but let's see, let's see how we do that with you know uh, with everything else. <laughs> Which is actually interestingly my next question to you is that what have you watched, read, or listened to in recent times that you'd recommend? Uh, considering you've taken less time on that, is there still something you've been able to catch up on? Ah, uh, not as much, man. I I actually you know one of the things that I do now is like like I'll be honest, I I I only heard one of your podcasts till now. But uh, mm-hmm. but every time like I, I get on a show and do a podcast, I try and devour as much content of the person I've done a podcast with. So so mm-hmm. most recently, I did a very interesting podcast with uh, Arjun Vedya. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, you know, uh, direct to a billion consumers, and uh, you know, I'd heard one of his podcasts prior to, but I think I've heard everything on that and uh, nice. on, on that now, and it's phenomenal to you know do that because I get to learn from so many other founders as well, right? Mm. So, so with podcasts, I think my discovery has gone down from discovering new things myself. But once I'm on a show, I think it's always uh, amazing to, to prior to the release of our show, I would have uh, most likely watched all of your podcasts. And, and, and that's fun. And I'm looking forward to that. Uh, reading, not so much, man. I haven't read, uh, you know, anything that is uh, super fascinating. Uh, the, the little bit of time I get, I, I, I follow my newsletters and I try and pick up mm-hmm. one or two interesting articles, uh, you know, whether it's a Tim Ferriss or a James Clear just, uh, you know, yeah. those emails and I, I try and, you know, maximize on reading that content. So I haven't picked up a book in a while. Um, yeah. But, but yeah, I'm looking forward to, to the new year. Hopefully I'll get back onto the reading spree. And um, the last question is generally a spin on the name of the show. Um, and, and, I'm, and considering what you said about just your learnings, I think I, I want to spin on that. I think, what I think our focus on reinventing how we consume things uh, is never going to die. Because in many ways, that's what you guys have done. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Like, you know, I think uh, a, a part of us now in the last three months believes performance marketing is dead. Uh, def- de- definitely not. <laughs> definitely not advertising, uh, you know. But, uh, but we've, uh, like many others, uh, faced significant challenges in the performance marketing side of it. And that's where I realized that, you know, building an organic brand or, or, or having organic brand conversations uh, um, and, and del- delighting your customers beyond uh, paid advertising, right? And something we've done consistently, and like I said, right, it's it's even our even our packaging when you order D two C at least, you know, the experience that we try to give our customers is, uh, you know, we advertise to them, but but uh, in, in subtle 
subtle ways get our messaging across right and i think that's been phenomenal for us so overall awesome thank you so much arman thanks for coming on the show uh, and 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 more than else thank you for for finding a gap which most of us didn't know that we actually had and and almost being like brand we now definitely do kind of keep in i think I have corners in the house and across bags wherever you will find the hot even now. Um, and um, and, and this, this, so thank you for building out the brand that you guys have and uh, and and all the all the best for the for the launch which you haven't revealed, um, which I which I will look forward to. Perfect. Thank you, Varun. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure chatting with you. If you like this podcast and you want to listen to more podcasts like this, head over to the IBM Podcast website or app or wherever you get your podcast from and look at all the podcasts that IBM makes. There's some really fun stuff there. 